Hello, everyone. My name is Doug Woodard, executive coach with Advisor Game Plan. Welcome to the Thriving Sports Podcast, our public podcast available to everyone. We do have two podcasts. Number one is a client-only private podcast called Thriving Coaches. And number two is this public podcast available to everyone. In this public podcast, in each episode, we'll be talking to a successful coach or leader about specific ways they enhanced their team's culture and player development, as well as many other valuable topics. And I'm Brian Willett, founder and CEO of Advisor Game Plan. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to sit back and learn from each of these episodes with these amazing coaches. Thank you for joining us as we dive deeper into these areas that can lift a team from average to good to great. Well, I'm excited for today. We have two legendary coaches in the room that are both servant leaders and they've helped their players with confidence on the field or on the court. These are two of my favorite topics. I'd like to welcome Tom Osborne, Nebraska Husker football coach, who obviously had success in coaching, but it wasn't just about the wins. He's a great servant leader. So welcome, coach. Thank you. Uh, and we also have our very own advisor, game plan, youth sports executive <clears throat> coach, Doug Woodard, who previously coached at Bellevue West, won a number of state championships and had success on the court, but again, even more with his players and who they became. So let's all sit back, soak in this conversation between these coaches. I'm sure we can all learn something. Coach, your Nebraska teams, I think, were always recognized as remarkably poised and, and confident. And, and uh, whether through the highest of high times or, or sometimes that the world would recognize as, as maybe even failure. This rang true. Can you share some things maybe that would help young coaches uh, on how they might be able to develop that those traits in, in their teams, being poised and, and being confident no matter the situation. Well, that's it's kind of a, a difficult thing to get your arms around. But I, I would say one thing that I thought was important is, was that we always respected our opponents. And uh, so often in, in coaching, you'll, you'll find coaches trying to build up animosity and uh, bulletin board material, sometimes even make up bulletin board material. And and uh, did you hear about what they said about us, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, I never never did that I because uh, uh, it's, it's probably a little bit technical, but if you, um, if you wire somebody up to something called a galvanic skin response, you can't detect the difference between anger and fear. It's it's pretty much physiologically, in terms of perspiration, pulse, uh, all that type. It's, it's pretty much the same. So we we always told our players to hit hard, but help them up, you know, and uh, and not not engage in trash talk. If I saw somebody talking out of turn, I'd get them off the field because usually a, a fifteen yard penalty has been preceded by some conversation, previous plays that weren't, weren't all that uh, helpful. So um, I think teaching respect for your opponents, uh, treating them well, and then, of course, we want to play hard. But then the other thing is practice. I mean, uh, do, you, do you allow things such as uh, temper tantrums or a lot of fisticuffs during practice 
those kind of things. I, it may not happen that much in basketball, but sometimes in football that, that does happen. And uh, so we, did, we just didn't allow that type of thing. And, uh, and I think it probably also depends a little bit on how, how players are treated. If they know that you care for them and that they're not pawns on a chessboard and, and pieces that you're trying to maneuver for your own well-being, that makes a difference. And uh, so anyway, eventually a culture is developed, and I think that's probably the foremost thing that a, do- a coach does is uh, develop a culture of how things will be done, what's important, how people will be treated. And uh, and then, of course, over time, that becomes not necessarily on autopilot, but becomes part of the way things are done. And if, if I can ask one follow-up question to that. So you talked about not having like the fists or the anger, the things that come out of practice and that kind of thing. I think some of our younger coaches don't know what to do when that does happen, right? So mm-hmm. in practice, if you had two players really going at it, you talk about that not being part of your practice culture, what, what did you do about it to remove that from your culture? Well, uh, you, you might have them do a few laps around the field or – if you're in the stadium, run up the steps a little, a little bit until they saw the error of their ways. <laughs> so, yeah, we just didn't, didn't turn a blind eye to it. And uh, But, again, I think a lot of it depends on how players are treated. If, if they know that you care about them, and sometimes you can ask them to do really difficult things. I, I think, you know, we mentioned a little bit about servant leadership and – Sometimes people think, well, that's that's kind of soft, and, and you're not going to win that way, and you're not going to have a successful business if you're a servant leader. But I think you can make uh, make things difficult in, on the practice field and, and expect a lot out of people. But if they know that your motivation is that you care for them and that you want them to be able to to be most effective in the fourth quarter, that, that the reason you're doing these things so they will they'll be better players when when they're called upon and there, there's a difference between feeling accepted and and cared for and loved and being seen as an object talked a little earlier about walk-ons i know there was one school down south and the practice field was quite a ways from the from the dressing room and so uh, the the varsity players uh, rode buses down there and the walk-ons literally walked about a mile down to practice. And that doesn't send a very good message that uh, everybody's uh, on the same page, you know. So, But we always, we always treated a, I, I don't think most of our players knew who the walk-ons were. I mean, they knew certainly that Mike Rozier was on scholarship. But they... Um, you know they did. They didn't. They couldn't list who was a walk on, who wasn't. We treat them, treat them all the same. Uh, a few minutes ago about being a servant leader. There's no question in my mind that that, that many or most people observed you as as a as a wonderful example of a, of a servant leader. Can you speak to that in terms of to maybe the young coaches? How can you give that example to your players on a day to day basis or to your assistant coaches? How can you model being a servant leader and what can that do to make the, the culture of a team a healthy culture? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing about, I think, being a servant leader is that you're not going to ask people to do something that, that you're not actually doing yourself. And uh, 
obviously, as you get older, you can't dunk the basketball. And there's a lot of things you can't physically do. But, you know, I always, at the end of the day, I'd run three or four miles after practice. And we started practice, uh, our, our meetings, at 7 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we put in uh, pretty long hours and worked hard. And then the other thing is language. Um, I, I never use profanity. I discourage profanity uh, in our players or, or coaches. Can't say nobody ever swore on the practice field, but... Uh, I'd say it was fairly rare. And then, of course, we never wanted to personally attack or denigrate a player, question their ancestry or their courage or do things that were demeaning. And uh, and so I, I think that was important, too. And uh, so anyway, um, servant leadership is always a little bit hard to define, but the other type of leadership that's most common is something called uh, transactional leadership. Transactional leadership is primarily based on reward and punishment. It's pretty much top-down, and it's my way or the highway. And that's kind of traditional way of coaching. And uh, One more question. When we think of going back to your calmness on the field and instilling confidence in your players, you know, how vital was it that you stayed calm in moments of distress or, you know, conflict going on or things going on in the field that weren't going the right way? How vital was it, do you think, for your players to see your calmness in those moments? Well, I, I think if the uh, person calling the shots, whether it be a coach or quarterback or defensive uh, captain or whatever, if they're uh, they're out of control, then it's it's going to spread, and so uh, pretty much have to focus on on what's what's really critical. Tirades against officials, uh, you know. Sometimes you'll see a coach uh, come unglued, and and then, then I think that's become somewhat contagious uh, among the team. The other thing I'll, I'll mention is, and this. Sometimes isn't isn't done or popular today, but we we thought uh, the spiritual part of uh, athletics was really important. And uh, Jesus said somewhere in the, in the scriptures, "Whoever would be chief among you must be the servant of all." And uh, what he what he meant was that uh, you don't uh, you don't use people for your own device de- development. And, uh, and you care about those people, and you treat them with re- respect. And, uh, and I think that's uh, the bottom line. And so we started our, our uh, practice or meetings every day at 7 o'clock with a um, short uh, devotional time. And uh, it was voluntary, but everybody, all the coaches were there. Have verse scripture, we talk about it a little bit, and then say a prayer for our players. And... I think that made a difference, maybe, in how we organized the day and how we uh, how we approach things, and uh, and so I think it's a little bit hard to separate servant leadership from from uh, some type of spiritual walk. And spirituality really means dedication to a cause or a purpose or a mission that's larger than yourself. And so it isn't it isn't all about you as the head coach. It's not all about you. As a uh, as the starting quarterback, it's uh, got to be something that concerns everybody, and and you're trying to get as much as possible everybody to buy in the idea that this is a common mission, 
and everybody has a, a, a part. And so we, we recognize the scout team players. Scout team player of the week was always chosen. And if those scout team guys weren't doing their job, then the, uh, the, uh, the thing wasn't going to work as well for the, for the varsity. And, um, not an easy question at all, but I think we, we visited a little bit earlier about the tension between the desire, will, uh, need, and, and sometimes pressure to win on one side, and the other side, we want to we wanna reach and teach the whole person, and that might involve some tough lessons. Uh, be it self-control, poor attitude, be it a mm -hmm. poor teammate, but it might be one of the better players. And, and so how, how do you, what advice I give, yes, would you give to a young, a young coach that, that is feeling some of that, that push, that winning is the thing, but also has a concern with, with developing the player as a person? Well, I think that when a player doesn't perform well, there's always a temptation to somehow punish them. And one thing that I found was uh, important sometimes was to listen. I remember when uh, I worked with Dana Altman up at Creighton. After I was done coaching, I went up there and worked with Creighton coaches. And he had a player, this was a basketball player, who was really one, one night he was great. The next night he was really mediocre to bad. And finally, Dana said, I don't know what to do. He said, you take him. So so I, I uh, sat down and visited with this young guy and um, came to find out that he was from uh, South Central Los Angeles. And I'd, I'd been in his school. And so he, um, he, I think he appreciated that. But he relayed, he relayed the information to me that he, he had been raised by his grandmother. And uh, his grandmother had uh, developed cancer, and she was dying. And there wasn't anything he could do about it. There wasn't anything I could do about it. And uh, But it was really on his mind. And I think just the fact that somebody listened, somebody understood what he was going through, made a difference. And so I, I don't think I can take a lot of credit for it, but all of a sudden he... Um, became pretty consistent uh, as being uh, the athlete he could be. And, uh, and so sometimes I think listening to your players and, um, and trying to understand what's going on, because usually as coaches, we're not really aware of a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, breaking up with a girlfriend, uh, parents getting a divorce, uh, those kind of things that make – make a difference. And sometimes, uh, even though you can't do much about it, just the fact that they uh, understand that you understand is pretty powerful. So I'm reminded of one of our advisor game plan resources that aligns with this conversation. We have it available on our resources page, advisorgameplan.com, and search for servant leadership team culture. Check it out. It's a public version, and it just is a good connection to this conversation. Thank you, Coach Osborne, for joining us today and being willing to invest in the next generation of coaches and sharing your knowledge. We're so thankful for you. And with that, let's wrap up today's call and look forward to the next. We have free resources available on advisorgameplan.com. If you would like to gain access to our full version of client resources, please contact us today on advisorgameplan.com to explore becoming a client.
Also, subscribe today to Thriving Sports and stay up to date with future episodes and more interviews with more coaches. Together, let's be thriving coaches that put the player first in all situations. See ya.